You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 162 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague Ryan Dunleavy as the Giants turn the page from what was arguably the most difficult stretch of their season, the two games against the Vikings and Patriots on a short week back-to-back. And now you're looking at an opportunity, Ryan, with the Arizona Cardinals led by Kyler Murray coming to town on Sunday and a trip out to Detroit against a very beatable Lions team over the next two games where we're going to find out a lot about this Giants team in a division that suddenly isn't running away from anybody right now. Yeah, remember when we said that last year, Matt? Remember it was like, oh, is this the worst NFC East of all time? Uh, the Giants are still in it at 1-5 or 1-7 or whatever they were. And uh, it was like we were looking up as a losing record ever won the NFC East. And then the Cowboys and Eagles both got their stuff together and both made the playoffs. Wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if that happened. So if the Giants are going to make a run, strike now. Yeah, it has to happen now. And, of course, Arizona's coming off a pretty impressive win over a surprisingly terrible Atlanta Falcons squad on Sunday. We're going to get into all that, the challenges that Kyler Murray presents, some changes that could be coming not this week, but a couple weeks down the line on defense, and maybe some things that have surprised us over the last couple of weeks as well. But before we get too far into it, some housekeeping to take care of. Uh, of course, if you like I have what a you hear, you do? Yeah, I have a housekeeper. What, what, when did that start? Uh, my wife, uh, when, when we had our son, my wife just said it was too much, so we had to get a housekeeper. You finally so. came around to get the cleaning yeah, service. Yeah, we do. We have one once a month. It comes. Good. I I wouldn't do once every two weeks. It was too much. Yeah, I do the once every two week thing, and it started right when our daughter was born. Yeah, Same thing. I figured, you know what? This is going to be a lot. She's working Correct. full time. She Correct. has the the kid now. Correct. Yeah, it was the least the least a husband could do. Basically, I think is exactly. Yeah. And anyway, you get a clean house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you've been to my house. It's not super clean, but. Well, I just probably haven't timed it out to that once a month period. <laughs> that's it, that's it. <laughs> the same thing would happen if you come to my house on the off weeks yeah. from the cleanings. But, uh, of course, if you like what you hear on the show, we'd love if you would subscribe in the Apple podcast or leave us a five-star review there. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. If you want to rip us, go ahead. If you want to tell us who you want to have on as guests, well, that would be great, too. really helps us grow the show. You can also catch us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and, of course, find us on YouTube, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Forms. And of course, follow the show on Twitter at Talk is Cheap NYG. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL, and Ryan is at RY Dunleavy. Ryan, uh, kind of a mini bye week for the Giants coming off that Thursday game. But my biggest takeaway from that 
that you hope, if you're a Giants fan, carries over to Week 7 against the Cardinals is this defense showed up and showed out for about three quarters against the Patriots, and then it just became too insurmountable with a little help on the offensive side of the ball. But I was impressed by the play of the secondary last week, and this front seven and pass rush is starting to finally find its teeth. The pass rush is much is the part of the team I'm most surprised about, honestly. I was hard on it before the season. I didn't really I thought they were going to be worse as a pass rush team than last year when they had the second fewest sacks in the NFL. I basically thought they had the worst pass rush in the NFL. Uh, it's been much better than I thought. Marcus Golden is really impressive just because his sacks aren't like Khalil Mack blow you off the line of scrimmage tackle you sacks. They're like never stop moving sacks. They're like four second motor sacks and he's been really impressive. Zamina has had some sacks. Uh, Dexter Lawrence has been really impressive. Even Dexter Lawrence has actually, I, I criticized that pick because I thought the Giants needed a pass rusher. I still don't think he's a pure pass rusher, but he's a He's a complete defensive lineman as a rookie. Uh, he's been very good. So, yeah, I think uh, the pass rush was definitely something that in the first six games of the season has outproduced. And I don't think there's many things on the Giants that have performed better than expectations, but the pass rush is one of them. Yeah, no doubt about it. You just look at the last two games against Brady and Kirk Cousins. The Giants have six sacks. They've forced two turnovers. And over the last three weeks, they've produced two defensive touchdowns with the Jabril Peppers interception return for a touchdown against Washington. And then, of course, Thursday night, Marcus Golden, again, Mr. High Motor, Mr. High Energy, recovers the fumble that was forced by Lorenzo Carter, who had a really impressive game, and and Golden returned it for a touchdown. So Golden, to me, has been the Giants' defensive MVP through the first six weeks. And you brought up Dexter Lawrence. I liked the pick on draft night. I certainly didn't love it. I had uh, Josh Allen rated above him, and Ed Oliver I thought would be tailor-made for this scheme. But it turns out, Lawrence has been the most dominant, not only defensive player, but rookie across the NFL. Pro Football Focus has him rated as the highest rated first round pick. Uh, You just look at what he's been doing. 342 pounds. You know that the bull rush is there. They've moved him around over the nose tackle spot. Brought him off the edge a couple of times. He's dropped into coverage once or twice and done all right there as well. Um, So just another guy similar to to, to, uh, Marcus Golden. High motor, high energy guy. And that's the type of player that I think Giants want to build this defense around. Yeah. Um, the Giants only gave up 21 points to the Pats, really. I mean, what killed the Giants in that game was the fumble by Hilleman returned for a touch. The 14 non-offensive point, non-offensive points. The fumble by Hilleman returned for a touchdown by the Pats defense. And the strangest play I've seen in a long time when Riley Dixon punted the ball off Nate Stupar's helmet and the Patriots returned that for a touchdown. Um I think we found out whose fault that was when uh, Dixon wouldn't answer questions about it after the game and Stupar got cut on Monday. Yeah, that that was a pretty quick answer to that blooper that took place in the game. It's Uh, shocking, though, right, that um, we sat here last week in the same spot and had this discussion. Um, And we don't want to look too much back at the Patriots game, but... We said, why are the Giants not signing proven NFL players? That was a big part of our podcast discussion last week. Why are they relying on the practice squad? And it's almost like guys who are fringe NFL players 
can cost you games, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, the Giants paid for it. No one cares who's 40 to 53 on a roster until they end up costing you a game. And now the Giants signed Buck Allen and, you know, cut Nate Stupar and all, but it kind of feels like too little too late. Yeah, and, and I think that they might have realized the colossal mistake it was to have By Hilleman... to our podcast? And potentially. <laughs> by trotting out Hilleman and Elijah Penny as the two running backs in New England against the NFL's number one rated defense with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Uh, it could have been a lot worse than it turned out being, and I thought Jones made some throws that he's going to want back, and you know, I wrote after the game that, listen, the kid has a little bit of a turnover problem. You look at six interceptions through the first four starts, that translates out uh, over the course of a 16-game schedule to something like 24 uh, total interceptions had he played all 16 games. I, I just, you look at the supporting cast, they didn't do him any favors, and that very next day, they go and they sign Buck Allen, who is a veteran running back, did some nice things in Baltimore. Um, he's not going to be as relied upon now because Saquon Barkley looks like he's getting healthy, but the combination of Hilleman and Penny, um, there was just no need for those guys to be on the field in that game. Yeah, it was strange. It was a very strange way, and it's strange how they handle the linebackers, too. So, um, And I made a list today of where are they now, Giants. And really, other than Odell and Landon, who we've talked about to death at nauseum at this point, there's not a lot of guys, Gettleman has let go, who are doing much else elsewhere, which is, you know, that's good for Gettleman. That's a, he's not letting go of guys who, you know, are coming back to haunt him. But B.J. Goodson and Paul Perkins, two guys, you know, they're, again, they're marginal 45th guys on a roster, but those two guys would have helped these last two weeks, two guys he let go of for basically nothing. Yeah, no doubt about it. And looking ahead to this game on Sunday, I think on paper, a lot of Giants fans will look at this and put it in the wing column. I think that's dangerous just because of what Kyler Murray is able to do both with his legs and with his arm. 340 passing yards last week, three touchdowns. I talked to Dalvin Tomlinson who said he's like Sonic the Hedgehog out there. Dexter Lawrence said that he has quote-unquote PlayStation speed. So this is something where in terms of defending Murray, it's a completely different task than rushing Tom Brady who's surgical and precision-like from the pocket, but if you allow any sort of opening in your pass rush, if you don't play sound gap control defense up front with your front seven, Kyler Murray's going to make you pay for that, and that's a completely different type of test than the Giants have faced at any time this season, and certainly the last two weeks. He's the reigning offensive player of the year, based on what, of the week, rather, based on what he did last Sunday, and this is a Giants defense that, you know, to their credit, we talked about it earlier, the six sacks over the last two games, the improved pass rush, and from a score defense standpoint, they've played a lot better over the last two weeks than they have at any other point this season. So it's kind of like a strength-on-strength strength matchup going into Sunday. Yeah, it's interesting, too. You just don't get a lot of matchups of top 10 draft pick quarterbacks as rookies. You just don't see it very often, where they're both starting, they're on the schedule. Um, and that's what this is. This is a matchup of the—we saw Haskins come in late, but that was, you know, not—Haskins was the 15th pick. This is— to the top two quarterbacks in the 2019 NFL Draft, both starting as rookies, um, and you couldn't have two different guys. I mean, Jones is prototypical, tall, you know. Uh, you has know, some his, mobility. His he has mobility, functional yeah. mobility and maybe yeah. a little better. And whereas Kyler Murray is, like you said, a Sonic the Hedgehog, can take off, uh, likes to actually get out of the pocket to help him see over the line, uh, and has a perfect coach for him and a guy who believes in that kind of uh, – 
creative college-style offense. So, uh, and I think Shermer's a, the right coach for Jones in that you know he believes in you know the prototypical quarterback rollouts, bootlegs, but you know pocket passer with some strength. Quick question, Matt: Where does Sonic the Hedgehog rank? in your favorite non-sports video game. So if we're taking out Madden, NBA Jam, we're talking, you know, yeah. non-sports games. Where is that Sonic video game? I, I think it's top two for me. Wow. Between, because I, I, I had both growing up. I had the PlayStation a little bit later, but I started out with the N- Nintendo 64. Wow. And Mario Kart for me is probably top of the list. Great game. And then Sonic the Hedgehog is probably a slight bump below that. But then you got to go all the way back to Game Boy with, uh, Are you Mario so young World? that you never had a Nintendo? I I went for here's here's how oh God, here's so how young. unique my video game upbringing was. My first system ever was Atari. Oh, okay. Because my dad had Pong? Atari, a Pong, Space oh, Invaders, and game. and the basketball game with the little stick figure, two no, stick figures playing one on one, and the square basketball. Yeah. So so Pong, uh, Frogger, Space Frogger. Invaders, and basketball on Atari was my introduction to video games because my dad had it. Yeah. I guess after college for him, whenever it came out, he does it off when I was of a certain age, and then uh, I had the Game Boy system, which is now the size of my iPhone yeah. 11 Pro yeah. Max. So, you know, we've come yeah. full circle yeah. in my handhelds. And then it was... So you never N- had a Nintendo console? No, I went to N64 okay. and PlayStation. How yeah. about you? Where did you start? Duck Hunt was an all-timer, man. I gotta tell you, Duck Hunt was an all-time with the, game. With the orange uh, yeah, Duck Hunt the, guns? The Duck Hunt gun, and you pointed it at the screen. If yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that game. I mean that game was way ahead of its time. Way with the technology of pointing it at the screen and yeah. very, very ahead of its time. Uh, I, uh, Sonic was good. I, I gave it a solid B. But Duck Hunt, I'm an OG kind of guy. And there you I, go. You know, I have a flip phone in my hand. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Duck Hunt I do guy. wonder if the iPhone 11 Max is now bigger than the Game Boys we used to have back in the day. It's got to be pretty close. I wonder I mean, what year I'll have an iPhone 11 Max. Probably like 2040. You'll be like my father who just <laughs> traded in his iPhone 4 last week, yeah. which he's had since, well, God knows how long the iPhone 4 has been around. Probably. 2010, yeah. yeah. So about 2035, you might get the iPhone yeah. 11. Probably. When, when they're handing them out for free. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, looking ahead to Sunday's game, just to get us a little bit back on the rails here, um, you don't just have to worry about Kyler Murray. You have Larry Fitzgerald as All-timer. one of his favorite targets. All-timer, future Hall of Famer, future first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, is this the week, Ryan, that we see Larry Fitzgerald against Janoris Jenkins with Jenkins traveling with him all game? Or did the Giants stick with playing Beal, excuse me, Beal Baker on one? One side and Fitzgerald on the other, which has been their strategy in, in recent weeks. But if you do that, I have a sneaky suspicion mm-hmm. Kingsbury's going to find a way to get, to get Fitzgerald on Baker's side of the field. So yeah. how do you think this plays out? No, I think you'll go back to seeing uh, Rabbit travel with the other team's best receiver. That's what he wants to do. Uh, they did this so that Baker could get his head on straight a little bit. But I would think with players like Fitzgerald and other top caliber receiver Devontae Adams when the Giants play the Packers um, those kind of guys I think you'll see Jack Rabbit go back to traveling because it's just what's best for the team at this point. But yeah, I agree because that, that that's a massive colossal yeah. mismatch if you can get DeAndre Baker against Larry Fitzgerald one on one. And then on the flip side of things, Ryan, the Giants are starting to get healthy on offense. You're probably going to get Saquon Barkley back. You're probably going to get Evan Ingram back. And those are game changing type of players for the Giants. And you know, based on how the Giants played last week. 
I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they could have actually won that football game had both of those two guys been healthy. Yeah, it's a stretch for me to say they would beat the Patriots. I just I don't think they're I, I don't think they're very good. I don't think they're a team that can beat the Patriots. But no, I mean that certainly would have made a big difference. Are those guys worth twenty one points? It's hard for me to say they're worth 21 points. To me, they could have won the game if they cleaned up some of the mistakes, if they didn't give away two offensive, two uh, non-offensive touchdowns. But no, look, I mean, as far as the impact Barkley and Ingram make, those are two best players. I mean, I'm going to take away any team's two best players, let alone a team that has no depth. Um, I think they could be worth between them 14 points based on yeah, the man. amount of Mack truck-sized holes that John Hilleman had to run through that he turned into four-yard gains. Yeah. Uh, th- those plays are probably different with Saquon Barkley out there. Um, the the couple of drops from the Giants receiving core, maybe those guys aren't the primary reads if Ingram is out there. And I think based on how that game played out, the Giants defense just ran out of steam in the fourth quarter. I mean, they held the, the Patriots to, I believe, 14 yeah. defensive points, offensive points rather, yeah. through three quarters. They ran out of steam in that fourth quarter. If you have Barkley and Ingram out there, I think that that plays out a little bit yeah. different and the flow of the game might have gone different and in the Giants' yeah. favor. The Cardinals remind me of the Giants a little bit in that they're a very star-heavy team. Uh, Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. Um, and then you don't really know a lot of the other guys on the team. They're not a very deep team. It's a lot like the Giants where it's like your fantasy team might have Sterling Shepard and Ingram and Barkley. And, you know, you've heard of Janoris Jenkins and, um, you know, Golden Tate, obviously. And then it's like, okay, who's who's the rest of these guys? Like, I would imagine the Arizona Cardinals beat writers and fans are doing a little of what Giants beat writers and fans are doing, which is like looking through the depth chart and being like, who's that? So uh, kind of reminds me of it's a very much a measuring stick game is, I guess, what I'm getting to. Like the last two games were the Giants were clearly inferior. The Giants were clearly better than the Redskins. This is kind of a measuring stick game as like, are the Giants one of the six worst teams in the NFL or one of the 12 worst teams in the NFL? Yeah, and I think we're going to find that out. And I, I just think that this this stretch of games, when you look at what's happening in the division with the Cowboys and Eagles playing on Sunday night, one of those teams is going to be three and four. Washington is kind of irrelevant at this point. And if the Giants take care of business, again, it, it's a long season, but you have a winnable game the following week on the road against Detroit. And I know that the, Pack- that the Packers almost gave that game away on Monday night at Lambeau Field to the Lions. But if, if the Giants can find a way to go 2-0 and uh, these next two weeks and the Eagles and Cowboys both at, at best split their next two games. The Cowboys game after the bye week comes here at MetLife Stadium against the Giants on a Monday night. And Matt's buying his playoff tickets. You're, you're right in the mix. Yeah. You're right in the mix for a, a uh, wild card yeah. buff. Yeah. Book your, book your uh, flight out to uh, Chicago. Yeah. With Chicago for a second time or yeah. Detroit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I just think that you're going to find out a lot about this Giants team on Sunday Day, uh, when they get more of a full complement of weapons around Jones and you see what this defense is able to do against one of the more multifaceted dual threat quarterbacks in the league right now. Let's talk about some things going on with the Giants. What did you see out of Golden Tate uh, on Thursday and what do you expect from him the rest of the way? Yeah, obviously increased his role and I thought that the catch that he made on that throw Ooh. by Daniel Jones on the great 64 catch. yard touchdown great catch but maybe an even better throw by Jones. It was another one of those tight window type of throws um, and I think that the one thing that we haven't really touched on is 
just how inept and incompetent officiating across the league has been. And Golden Tate played right into that on Thursday night in that critical pass interference call that wasn't made on the field or after a challenge by Pat Shermer where he was essentially armbarred by the defensive back. I don't know why they can challenge pass interference because I don't watch every game, but I I don't think I've seen it overturned yet this year. I honestly don't think they just, no matter how blatant it is, they just stick with the call. Yeah, I did a radio show on Tuesday afternoon, and this was brought up in conversation there, and it's worth getting your opinion on this, Ryan. It's almost as if officials across the league and the head officiating and the head of the the replay reviews has taken the position of, we don't want this rule on the books. It was put here because of an overreaction in that NFC Championship game. I had this thought, but... But but because of, we don't want to second-guess our refs, we don't want to make them quote-unquote look bad, and the byproduct is you make them look a thousand times worse because you're just not doing your job and you're ruining the product from a fan's perspective but it's almost They're as digging if digging their if, heels in if you they are a you're right digging your heels in and if if you're not going to enforce the rule now as it is designed you got to get it off the books because okay. you're ruining the flow of the games you're affecting the outcome of the game as you did monday night in that packers lions game and the play with golden tate against the patriots that's why that rule is there yeah. if that's not clear and evident interference i don't know what that is yeah um sam beal what do you, what are your thoughts on Sam Beal? Sam Beal, we saw him out of practice. No word if he got injured yet. Um, what are your thoughts on Beal and can he help this team? So let me, I'll break it down. So Beal was on injured reserve, wasn't eligible to practice until Monday. They held him out of practice Monday, so he practiced today for the first time. Um, that means the Giants have 21 days now to decide whether to keep him on IR for the season and shut him down or activate him by in time for week nine against the Cowboys. Um, do you think he can help this team if he can stay healthy? Uh, do you expect to see him? Do you honestly, I don't mean this in a, in a disrespectful way, but do you just kind of expect him to get hurt again and not be on the field? What do you think? So Sam Beal, for anybody who doesn't know, is the Giants supplemental draft pick from 2018, hasn't played in a game, hasn't played in a preseason game, has made it through one padded practice in his two-year NFL career. Shoulder injury last year, shut him down for the season, and a hamstring basically wiped out his training camp this year. What do you expect from Sam Beal? He's kind of like Bigfoot to me. Yeah, no, I I just wonder, I assume that he's going to be able to get through two weeks of practice healthy. I know that he's never done, which he's never been able to do, but, but I'd assume after this much time away that he's going to show them enough to activate him. Um, the, the thing that I w- wonder about is where does he fit in? Do you put him on the outside opposite Janoris Jenkins and you sit DeAndre Baker, who's kind of been this ascending? Um, do you replace him on passing downs w- with Grant Haley? Because Haley has been one of the Giants higher rated run defenders, but in coverage, I think it's great on PFF is somewhere around like a, a 59 or something in that area. So not great in coverage. Where, where does he fit in? And you're going to have to probably release somebody mm-hmm. to make room for him on the 53-man roster. Do you release someone like an Antonio Hamilton who contributes on special teams? Good Do you call. take away from another another position, maybe wide receiver? Uh, and, and who's the odd man out to, to you know bring Sam Beal back? But if you have any concerns about him being able to get and stay healthy, is it almost worth 
redshirting him for the rest of this year to move forward with the roster you have. It's just a complicated situation, in my opinion, because I'm not sure what he gives you that's a clear and present upgrade over Hamilton and Haley, and I don't know whether he's even better suited to play outside, and if he's better to play outside, what happens to DeAndre Baker? So it's pretty convoluted, at least right now, in my opinion. No, I, I think you nailed it. I think everything you said is true. I don't know how you get Beal Baker and Rabbit on the field at the same time, and if you can't do that, I don't who you're either wasting a first round draft pick on the bench or you're wasting Sam Beal on the bench, which wastes a roster spot. So don't know how you do it unless you do like some sort of weird three man rotation or unless you trade Jack Rabbit within two weeks, which I think could happen. And I wrote a story um, late last week uh, about the type of moves that the Giants could make at the trade deadline if they're sellers. And I think they're going to find out over the next two games. Uh, obviously, the trade deadline is October 29th, so they have uh, a week and a half to figure that out. But they're going to find out whether they need to be buyers and sellers based on what they do against Arizona and Detroit and based on what happens at the top of the division around them. But if they're sellers, Ryan, you just look around the league. I think that, you know, there's still a market in Kansas City for a cornerback. Uh, there's still a market, I would think, in Philadelphia for a cornerback. But I don't know that you trade within your yeah. division, uh, even though there was interest from the Eagles in Janoris Jenkins last year. Yeah. We'll see if, if they make that phone call again, having not uh, been able to pry jail and Ramsey away from the Jaguars and and, you know Baltimore just acquired Marcus Peters so there are teams around the league that are shopping for cornerbacks maybe Jacksonville trading Ramsey as a domino that falls in the 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 Jalen excuse me the Janoris Jenkins sweepstakes but I think that 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 Janoris Jenkins with guys with like Sam Beal and and uh um Sam Beal and Corey Ballantyne on the bench is a guy that could be moved. Yeah, that's interesting. Julian Love on the bench, too. Um, does... Well, I think that that's only a matter of time before he gets on the field over Antoine Bethea. I don't know if you've been watching the same games I have, but I have not been impressed by Antoine Bethea at safety next to uh, next to Jabril Peppers. And if the Giants view Julian Love more as a safety, I, I think that we're going to could start to see him worked in if Bethea's play doesn't get significantly stronger over the next couple weeks. Yeah, that that's a possibility. He's one of the rookies who, you know, the Giants rookies have done a nice job the last two years. He's one of the guys that, you know, is kind of an enigma so far. He's in the, I, I can't really figure out why he's not playing more. Uh, I think he played one defensive snap, maybe. Yeah, against, against, the, against the, Patriots, the Patriots. And I think that was Ballantyne his first too. defensive snap. Yeah, Ballantyne too. I think it was the same play, actually. So, uh, very strange. Ballantyne wasn't on the practice field today either. There, which is strange too. Um, yeah, I uh, I think that you make a good point on you know some of the things that could be coming down the road here. I mean, obviously the Giants were sellers last year at the trade deadline. The they're not going to be buyers at the trade deadline. The Giants are giving up draft picks to make a run to acquire some, and they don't have the cap space right yeah. now to be. They either buyers. stand pat or they or they sell. Yes, correct. Sell. And and trading Janoris Jenkins also could free up as much ten to eleven million dollars off the cap. So that would set you up. Red Ellison only with some... would be a guy they could trade. I just don't know if there's a market for Red Ellis. Yeah, and I thought initially you and I talked about it off the air that the Patriots could be a fit. They signed Eric Tomlinson, uh, who was on waivers after he got cut by the Giants. They signed him on Tuesday. So I don't know that that necessarily fills a need, but he's a blocking tight end, which which Red Ellison would probably be. So that probably takes the Patriots out of that sweepstakes. Uh, Ryan, before we wrap it up, what are your big picture thoughts on Sunday? 
my big picture thought is that it's a measuring stick game for the Giants. That this is the game where we'll find a uh, we'll find a lot of uh, we'll find a lot of stuff out about the Giants. Are they to use your term from last week, contenders or pretenders? I think probably pretenders, but that doesn't mean they're not going to win this game. I just I think they're going to give you you know fourth quarter tie game. I don't think they'll blow them out like they blew out the Redskins. I think it'll be a fourth quarter tight game and whichever rookie quarterback makes more plays in the first fourth quarter will win the game. That's kind of that's kind of what I expect similar to maybe similar to the Buccaneers game after the terrible start by the Giants where that second, you know, that fourth quarter was a little bit more back and forth. That's yeah. good. I could see something like that. I think you're going to see a shootout. I think this is going to be one of these games where defenses aren't going to be able to get off the field. You're going to see Sonic the Hedgehog against Danny Dimes, and you're going to see two different ways about going about your business. And I think that Larry Fitzgerald, whether it's Jenkins or DeAndre Baker, is a matchup nightmare for anybody in the Giants secondary. I don't know that the Giants David have... Johnson could give them a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But here are some staggering numbers on this Arizona defense. Fourth most points allowed, 28 points five per game have the Giants third, allowed more than that I believe so I, I we'd have to look into that third most passing yards Giants are fourth and they're the only team without an interception so far this year so I think you're going to see a lot of yards through the air I think you're going to see a lot of points scored and I could see this really turning into like a 41-37 shootout whoever has the ball last as you alluded yeah. to is probably going to win this football game and before we get out of here Ryan, uh, I, I have the the Giants winning uh 37 to 31 I think is the score that I gave you for the uh, predictions post. Uh, before we get out of here, one question. I did not give a score for the predictions post yet. I know it angers my uh, colleagues very much that I am always the last to send my uh, score predictions and it bothers you and some of the you've you've, taken you've taken that mantle from me yeah yeah. I I used to get reminders from our Jets writers and our Eagles writers every week hey where are your picks send your damn picks I now do them either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning I can make you a promise this will be the last week that I'm the last one to send my to send my pick bold that's a bold prediction I promise I promise you it'll be the last week um I'll take uh, the Giants. I haven't actually written out my pick yet, but I'll take the Giants. And I that's kind of a kiss of death because I my record on picking the Giants is not very good. Um, but I think I'm perfect so far this year. Oh, that's a nice humble brag. <laughs> um, no, I'll take the Giants something like 35-31, something like that. That's that's my off-the-top-of-my-head prediction. Uh, you said you had something about oh, Twitter questions. Yeah, Twitter question. Uh, Brian Gallagher, he's at BGall15. Uh, BGall15, I would assume. Is going 5-11 and or 6-10 and the worst thing the Giants could do this season? Um, I think there's a yes-no component to that. Yes, it's the worst thing in the world because I think that if that happens with Daniel Jones playing 14 games, that means that he will have uh, really struggled as a rookie. And I think that that could not necessarily necessarily speed up any thought process about Pat Shermer being fired, but it puts him squarely on the hot seat, and I think there would probably be some coaching changes as fall guys and scapegoats, and I don't think you build a lot of momentum going into next year, and John Mara said, remember back in training camp, that he'll know, this was Dave Gettleman who said this actually, uh, that he'll know that this team had a successful or, you know, failure type of season if he walks out of MetLife Stadium Week 17-0, 
17 and feels like they're going in the right direction. Yeah. 5 and 11, 6 and 10 is not the right direction, but it's not the worst thing in the world because if you're 5 and 10 or so, 5 and 11 or 6 and 10, you're picking in the top 5 yeah. of the draft and you're picking in the top 5 of every round so you can get some more premium young talent to build around Jones. So it's a yes or no answer for to me. To me it's a to me it's a it's fine if they finish 5 and 11, 6 and 10 cuz the Giants are going to sell you. I know what's going to happen. Gettleman's going to get up there and sell you that two of those losses were on Eli Manning. So it's, you know, get, they really went six and eight after the quarterback change or five and nine after the quarterback change. And how many rookies ever have had a rookie winning season? You know, he's right in line with Sam Darnold. He's right in line with Baker Mayfield, whatever. Um, five, five, you know, a win, a win here, a win there. And we're talking about a winning record. I, I, they're going to take those two losses off and they're going to give you Daniel Jones's record as the team record um and like you said i think it's fine because especially six and ten they're going to sell you as a game improvement over last year we're right we're on our way it's not an easy rebuild rome wasn't built in a day yada 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 um and then you're right you got a top seven or eight uh pick for the giants they need an offensive tackle probably a left tackle to move shoulder to right tackle. Need a linebacker. They need a linebacker. Need a safety. Need a safety. Need a good need, need a wide receiver. Might need, need a wide receiver. Might need a wide receiver. Like, there's plenty of needs still on this team. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's the worst thing. If you're not – look, if the option is to go 10-6 and six or 6-10, six and 10, you go 10-6. and six. But if the option is 6-10 and 10 or 8-8, eight and eight, I think I, – I honestly I, – if eight and eight, assuming 8-8 eight eight isn't going to win you the NFC East and get you in the playoffs – to go six and ten. Eight and eight's going to get you a hard schedule next year yep. as a second place schedule. I'm fine if I'm a Giants. Brutal fan, schedule next year, by the way. If I'm at a the fan, Rams and, and then at the Seahawks. That's a nice travel schedule, though. I can't wait. Huh. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a beat writer schedule. Yes, LA it is. And, have you ever been to Seattle? Yes, I have. Fantastic it's one of my top city. three American cities. What are the other two? Uh, definitely Chicago, probably top of the list where we'll be going in a couple weeks, and uh, LA. I'm a big time LA, LA West Coast guy. Never been to LA. I've never been. My three would be Seattle, Nashville, and Boston. Nashville's the, great. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably. Yeah, my top three in order are probably Chicago, Seattle, and LA. Yeah. Uh, and there was another Twitter question here. Uh, I'll let you handle this. You're the schematics guy. From Jamo9890, Jamie Baker, can you explain in simple terms what James Betcher's defense and scheme is and how you see it progressing so far? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. It's basically a 3-4 front, but they play a lot of nickel. I think they're forced into a lot of nickel because teams are stretching NFL offenses, you know, three and four wide receivers wide. And nickel means you have three cornerbacks. If you're two outside corners and the one in the slot, um, and and at times you'll move a safety up near the line of scrimmage as an extra guy uh, to help out against the run, which is why you see uh, Jabril Peppers in that role from time to time. Fewer linebackers. Michael Thomas, correct. Fewer linebackers, more defensive backs. That, to me, is the simplest way to explain their base scheme. And he wants to play man-to-man press coverage, but he's not really doing it, which I don't know if that's he's changed his philosophy and hasn't told us, or he doesn't feel like he has the personnel to run his scheme. But ideally, he's a blitz and press kind of guy, and I don't feel that's like that's exactly what he's done in his year and a half here. I don't know if that's not something Shermer wants or what. I think he just hasn't been confident in his edge rushes or his defensive backs, and we could see that starting to change because I think they've blitzed more over the last couple of weeks, and the pass rush has been much more productive over the last two games. 
see if that continues Sunday and then moving forward. You mentioned the term fall guy, though, uh, 10 minutes ago. James Betcher could be the fall guy for the Giants if they end up keeping Gettleman and Shermer. And I don't know that that would be fair because I don't know that he's had the opportunity to run his, his real defense. But two years for a coordinator is probably the the average rate for uh, NFL coordinator right now. I think most teams that are struggling switch coordinators after two years. That's pretty much what you get. And I think it would be kind of unfair to, to Betcher because of the fact that it's a very young defense, and I Oof. think the young players are, are improving. You're seeing signs of growth from Dexter Lawrence. The kids in my daycare Lawrence. might be older than this defense. <laughs> you see Dexter Lawrence taking strides, which we've talked about. Lorenzo Carter has flashed at times. O'Shane Zimenez has really been a, a blessing in disguise for this team as a third-round pick, and DeAndre Baker has been a starting corner for them. So they've been young, and I think that we're going to learn a lot about this team and about this defense Sunday, the following week in Detroit, and certainly the rest of the year. Yeah, that's uh, certainly what we're going to find out. And then um, what uh, we had we head to Detroit next week, and then what's the game after that? Dallas, and then the Jets. So it's really a four-game stretch that will define the Giants season, not just a two-game stretch. No doubt about it. Will we be talking playoffs after the Cowboy game, or will we be talking about top five picks and a potential 5-11 team? I love that. We will find out then. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Please subscribe to the Talk is Cheap podcast, and we'll talk to you next week right here on NJ.com.